Welcome to Retro Enjoy your voyage. Howdy, and welcome to Retro Groove. I'm Adam. And I'm Liam. And this is a podcast where we talk about music that stands the test of time. Welcome to episode three of Retro Groove season two, as we are starting to wrap up summer and get into fall. Uh, Liam, how have things been going with you? Pretty good. Um, I went to see Rage Against the Machine and, and run the jewels. And run the jewels. And it was amazing. It was awesome. Uh, um, I didn't, uh, so I didn't spoil it for myself in advance to look at the set list. Okay. Um, and which is, is a good thing. Um, a couple weird things though. So, one, because I didn't look into the show at all, I went in cold. I didn't realize yeah. that Zach, I think he like, Taurus Achilles tendon or something like that. Oh, Um, and so he had to sit the entire time, which was bizarre. Like it was still really cool and it had its own kind of sense of impact. But there was this weirdness of like, like you didn't get him jumping around and getting in your face from the stage. Like he was. Yeah, his stage energy is kind of the whole part of the thing. Yeah, but it let kind of uh like tim and tom do their thing and kind of stand out and it's funny i definitely in watching even live videos or music videos or whatever of tom morello's playing it's impressive but it just kind of doesn't seem real and then when you experience it firsthand and he's actually just playing with his teeth and he's making these sounds with like the switch on his guitar and i'm like this man is a magician yeah, yeah no, he's, he's an actual insane. magician. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the energy was great. Set was great. Um, and yeah, Run the Jewels, I thought were fantastic. The group that I was with weren't really familiar with them. So it was a lot of uh, me standing up, like just every word to every yeah. song. <laughs> and them kind of si- sitting there being like, wow, you really like this band a lot, don't yeah. you? <laughs> See, that would um, be me. Like, I'm a huge yeah. Rage Against the Machine fan, but I would be more excited for Run the Jewels at this it point. It was so cool. But the thing so is, cool. so it was a it was like a bit of a residency. They were doing four or five shows at the garden, and I right. went to the second one, and two things about the Run the Jewels set. First, they didn't do Call Ticketron, which is the one where they say right. Run the Jewels live, live at, the, at garden. the garden. <laughs> Come on, they didn't, you're at they the didn't garden. Do that. <laughs> I looked it up and they did it the first night when they came out of like the thing. Oh, that um, makes sense. And the other thing, dude, is they like Zach, I guess because of his injury, didn't come out. Like they did the songs that he features on. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I know he's here. He's 
backstage. Yeah, he's got to be around here somewhere. <laughs> and that's when I found out about his injury, because then I start Googling. I'm like, man, they just did the second song that he does, and he didn't come out. And I'm like a little crestfallen, and I'm oh, like man. looking looking at the set lists, and then I click the Rage set list, and it's like, oh, he's busted his leg. Like, oh, he can't come out. But apparently, and they didn't do this the night I went, but apparently Rage has been bringing Run the Jewels out for the song from uh from RTJ2 close your eyes oh wow and so run the jewels on certain nights come out and perform that song with rage with, which that's nuts oh man I'm bummed I didn't see yeah, that of course you, you know? missed that one <laughs> dang it <laughs> but they're Just only doing left. it a handful of shows um but yeah no it was it was great um it was cool to see that band again uh yeah. got got some cool merch I got a tour poster live at the garden um and yeah, it was it was uh, it was pretty awesome. Really How are cool. you doing really winding cool. down your summer? We're we're doing pretty good, you know. Starting to get into the school year. Um, y- you're way ahead of me in the concert going uh, fair, but I have that uh, Weird Al and Emo Phillips coming up in October. There have been a couple of things that I've been kind of mm, I, sh- I should probably try to go see that, but. We, I've just been so busy with, you know, summertime, kids being out of school and so much work. Uh, it's just it's just been impossible to try to schedule something like that. But fall is coming and that means school and, um, you know, being outside more, uh, you know, in Texas, especially as it's been with the ridiculous heat wave. Um, you know, we kind of had a cold front and some rain come through and it felt amazing for it to just drop below 90. Like it was, it, it was a nice uh, little feeling of, of, of things to come thankfully. And hopefully, you know, this is kind of a one-off and this doesn't become the norm of just blazing hot drought ridden summers. My lawn looks like, you know, a field of potato chips. It's just dead. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll see. Hopefully the, hopefully the, uh, the grass will spring back. Um, but yes, listening to so much music in preparation for today's episode, oh, uh, super excited to get into it. Cause, uh, it's, it's such a nostalgic thing. Uh, and you know, we're going to get into, uh, our individual top five music, uh, or movie soundtracks from the nineties. Um, and we're going to hash it out together and come up with our retro groove high five. Uh, and we'll see how it stacks up and, you know, we'll see what everybody, everybody has to say about it. Everyone's got strong opinions. And this was like the, the, the biggest response that we've ever had, mm-hmm. uh, to our community questions. We had a lot of, a lot of opinions and a lot of, uh, a lot of great ideas. So we'll see how everything shakes out. Yeah, I mean, um, you you mentioned like going and listening to the music, and that's not yeah. actually the easiest thing to do in this case either, is it? Because no, the licensing and collection hard. of this, <laughs> yeah, like when you go and look these things up on certain streaming platforms, it's not just easily there. You kind of have to go find someone's janky playlist in in some. Yeah, of these. exactly. Um, the nature of these, like the business behind 
some of these things. There's like five or six parties that all have to come together when you get into music licensing for yeah. a soundtrack or film. Um, and a lot of times it just doesn't work out. And yeah, to crazy. think that we're talking about the 90s, like stuff wasn't dialed in for a streaming platform or even any sort right. of digital sales, then it was like, we're going to press a bunch of CDs and maybe cassettes and that's going to be it. That's it. Um, and so it's part of the reason why you also don't see as many represses of vinyl for this kind of stuff too, because the amount of legwork you need to go through to relicense this music for this packaging, unless the legal language was kind of bulletproof, you mm -hmm. can't see it. Um, and it, it does flag something just like the FOMO in me when I see <laughs> a cool soundtrack, like for record store day, they'll usually be one or two like really unique soundtrack pieces. Yeah. I, I always kind of go like, I feel like I need to snag this because yeah, like this is you don't know if this you is might like, never see it again. <laughs> yeah, like it just might not happen again. Yeah, it's interesting. That's that, and that's a part of it that you don't really think about. Um, it's just kind of in the background, but it, it affects how you're able to listen to stuff, and um, you know, that's just an, another um, reason why there are some definite pros to the physical media. Yeah. Um, thing because you, you don't know what's going to be available to stream one day and then not the, the next we're seeing that there's a big uh, controversy about that right now in the TV world um, which we won't really get into here but you know it's it, it it could happen you know they could someone ownership could change and they could just pull your favorite bands stuff off of all the streaming platforms just because they feel like it you know what I mean yeah. it's like I mean, it's crazy We've talked about Daria, I think, before. Like that was the big one for me. Like the music of Daria was such an important yeah, part, huge of that part of that show. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you went and rewatched it, it it was still a great show, but it lost a little of the punch because like it they had to remake it with new music to kind of yeah. fit the scene. Uh, it just wasn't the same the same kind of feel. Right. Right. Um, so we won't get too into the, it's, it's an important part of it and an interesting part of it, but, um, we're going to keep it fun today. Keep it lighthearted. Um, I was mentioning earlier how, especially when you're kind of younger and have more free time, uh, summer, at least for me was huge for movie going. Mm -hmm. Um, there was always the summer blockbusters and there was the free time of not being in school and, you know, after a while you just are cooped up in the house too much. You want to get away from your family for a little bit. So, you know, in the nineties, you'd hop on your bike and go with your friends down to the movie theater and, and pay for one movie and see two or three. Yeah. That's what you did. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and the, the movie soundtracks ended up being a huge part of that, uh, experience. Uh, they, they just, for some reason, the nineties really seemed to stand out, um, when it comes to, the you know maybe it was just the films that were being made at the time um alternative was the the new biggest thing ever and it just fit so well with um the the narrative of so many different movies different types of movies so i thought this was a, a good time of the year to talk about these movie soundtracks and yeah. um we we each have our own individual top five. Mm -hmm. uh, mine, I was had a. I don't know about you. I had a really hard time. With this. I feel like there are so many 
uh, options here that it's going to be tough. Also, I feel like there's a whole section and I'm going to guess that you picked a couple of the soundtracks that are legitimately amazing and cool and have great music on them. And then they're going to be put up against my cornball, like (laughs) pop pop centric, like super cheesy, but ultimately like catchy uh, blockbusters. Like, I, I feel like we're going to have to find a compromise here, but maybe I'm off. For maybe, sure. Maybe I'm off. I just, uh, knowing, like, you have a very, uh, uh, like, refined taste for uh, for music. Like, I feel like you're very insightful and you like uh, <laughs> cool, like, you like being cool, very kind. I don't know no. about that. <laughs> and, I, you know, like, I, you know, I like a, I like a mega jam, you know, like, I've, I'm, I'm a sucker for we it. So, so we're going to see. So we're gonna see. Um, I will we'll say see. on your on your nineties point though, there's one interesting thing that yeah. I, I think it all kind of plays into is you look at a perfect storm. So you have like the seventies into the eighties where you start having music supervisors get hired for film. Yep. Um instead of just compositions being written, they're starting to see the fact that if you have uh, a mega hit that is part of your film or is tethered to your film. It is Mm -hmm. invaluable marketing, uh, especially like if it plays within the movie. Um, And that I think you pair that with the sort of pinnacle of music consumerism of sales of music. You had your InSync's, your new kids, your backstreet boys, your spice girls, like the Mm -hmm. nineties was the peak of people going and buying expensive CDs to get a song or two, you know? Um, And I think like you, you're right. You had these big movie blockbusters. It was, it was as big as it could get. You had people shelling out huge cash and it was a huge marketing thing. Like everything, the planets aligned in the nineties and you still see it today. They just did that minions movie and you had like, Tame Impala and Diana Ross and Jack Antonoff curated the whole thing. And like, oh, it yeah. still happens. What's the, the happy and there's like the, the can't yep. fight the feeling the Justin Timberlake song. Like you still have these mega songs. It's still a marketing vehicle for but sure. When it comes to like going out and buying a soundtrack, um, that was that was wholly a '90s, like '80s yeah. into early 2000s. Sure. But it was a wholly a '90s thing. It was a big '90s thing. I I definitely agree. And, you know, like you said, you still see it. It happens. It it seems to be more of a kids movie thing now. Mm-hmm. Not that kids movies can't be great. I mean, I've, I've mentioned it plenty of times. That Trolls World Tour soundtrack is outstanding. There's, yeah. there's just so much good stuff on there. Um, but yeah, the the like young adult and, um, you know, alternative crowd movie thing with the, with the soundtrack to go along with it or like the crazy comedy with all of the incredible songs on the soundtrack for whatever reason, one reason or another, because it's in a, a little montage for 12 seconds in the movie. Right. Uh, that, that is very, very much a nineties thing. So I agree with you on that hundred percent. Um, so, so do sorry, do we want to like kind of delve into some some maybe some stuff that's not on our lists? Like w- you want to touch on some of that stuff? What what do you think? Yeah, we can do that first. Um there there's a lot that we can talk about here and yeah. um 
you know, there, there's, there's, uh, there's something to be said for leaving the honorable mentions for the end. But I think with so much to cover here, I don't want us to feel like we're trying to rush through our decision-making process when it really comes down to it. We can kind of come to a crescendo. So yeah, um, maybe we can talk about um, our community question uh, answers that we got and yeah, let's do that. our, um, our honorable mentions before we, before we dive in might be a little bit of an experiment, but uh, yeah. we're, we're pretty loosey goosey on this show. It's, let's do it. It's, it's, uh, it's all in good fun. Well, so Dan had posted something about um, man on the moon, which it's not a yeah. soundtrack. It's not a soundtrack that I'm actually that super familiar with. And I love REM. So I know that song, but right. I don't know anything else about that soundtrack. Um, it's, I mean, Jim Carrey, it's it's a cool movie. I've definitely seen it. I like Andy Kaufman. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I looked at the lineup here, I mean, it was, it's kind of all over the place. Like it had uh, the theme to Taxi, basically, which I love Bob right. James. It had, it had Bob James. It was a bunch of REM. Um, yeah, tons of I, REM. I, I don't know the, like the background of how this all came together. Like I'm sure that there's a really cool um, kind of story to all of it, but it seems um, almost textural to the movie itself, as opposed to like almost a marketing vehicle for the movie. Um, it's, it's got the mighty mouse theme on it, you know, like this. Right. And like, I'm assuming the taxi themes on there because Andy was on taxi, you know? So I, it, it right, seems right. like, it seems like almost an, an audio version of the movie like you could follow along with it and it tells the story of of andy kaufman's life in this film yeah it's so i mean rem actually wrote the soundtrack um which is pretty awesome wow um you know and obviously man on the moon was was written in in honor of andy kaufman so it only makes sense that they would be pulled in to help provide the soundtrack um they they released uh as as far as i know i think the great beyond was written for the film and that's actually one of their highest charting singles um okay yeah it it is their highest their number one highest charting single in the uk wow yeah so it's it's it it's it's a amazing it almost it's almost like its own rem album almost Mm -hmm. (laughs) so uh, definitely worth mentioning. Great um, addition to the discussion here, um, and yeah, I, it's it, uh, it's one of those that I feel silly for forgetting about. Yeah, in hindsight, um, um, John had shouted out the City of Angels soundtrack, which is fun. Yep. I'm I'm assuming is that's not on your list, right? It's not on my list. No. <laughs> okay, cool. So, cause the city of angels soundtrack is, is one of many that I think we're going to touch on where you do have a bunch of, uh, of artists that are very indicative of the time. You have Alanis Morissette mm-hmm. and, um, Paula Cole, Sarah McLaughlin. Um, and then you have that banger, man. Like, uh, you have Iris, which was mm-hmm. such a huge song. Like you couldn't go anywhere without hearing that Goo Goo Dolls song. Right. Um, and that song is, like I said, like many others that we'll talk about was created for this and was such a yeah. huge part of, 
uh, of this movie. It was such a huge part of the marketing for this mo- movie and the and so synonymous with it, um, but got so huge that they put it on Dizzy Up the Girl. Like it was mm-hmm. it was included on the album that then came out after that. Um, but definitely one worth mentioning. Uh, I've never, as again, with a lot of these, I have never seen the movie. <laughs> that's going to okay. be a, a recurring theme here. Um, yeah, I'm just that's bad okay. with film. But, yeah, but you uh, can enjoy the soundtrack good. no yeah. matter whether you've seen the film or not. <laughs> and I like that's uh, that's Meg Ryan, right? I think she's in that. Yeah, Meg Ryan. I like Meg yes. Ryan a lot. Yeah, she's great. Yes. So, and I, I should I, I should see study of angels. I can't remember if I've mentioned this on, on the show before, but uh, Meg Ryan's dad was um, one of my uh, high school math teachers. <laughs> Shut up. That's amazing. <laughs> Isn't what? that wild? <laughs> yep. Wow. That's crazy. Also, I think we didn't believe him at first. We thought he was just crazy. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, no, here's a picture of my it's like, daughter. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, Real deal. He, uh, I think she's still man- married to John cougar mellencamp i think he's just john really? mellencamp. i think the cougar has gone but yeah like as of a few years ago was married to john mellencamp which the cougar ne- was just... never uh going to stick <laughs> yeah probably not i mean i'd insert like panther into my name if i could just, <laughs> like no one would buy it um but yeah so uh she's meg ryan's great i should see this movie i like nicholas cage too it seems like a cool film oh yeah so I'll put this on my list of things that I should watch. It's been a really long time for me. It's probably on the rewatch must rewatch list. Yeah. Um, Spider Sham brought up a really good one in the Virgin suicides and, um, uh, incredible movie. Um, actually, you know, most people think of lost in translation, but this is actually Sofia Coppola's first, um, feature film Mm -hmm. and, um, air the, uh, the French kind of, jazzy electronic duo did um the score slash soundtrack um there's also a lot of 70s era um music on there but um really um obviously depressing but interesting film and a slightly depressing but interesting soundtrack um so really good stuff on there that was a really good um you did the whole soundtrack they did the they did an original score for the film yeah um so that so there's a you know all the air tracks and instrumentals and stuff like that that's all done by air so that's that's a really really cool and then there was like there was like another soundtrack that had like boston heart al green uh Mm. sticks you know what i mean all of the um all of the 70s era music that was in the film because it's when it's when it takes place. Um, but yeah, both, both aspects of it, both like the soundtrack with the existing artists and the, uh, there's also a bunch of tracks by Sloan, uh, the group oh, Sloan. So there's yeah. like four or five songs by them. So, wow. Um, yeah, it's kind of an interesting hodgepodge, but it really works for, you know, what the filmmakers were going for with the kind of, the boredom and the 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 adolescent suburban feels, you know what I mean? It yeah. just so they did a good job with it for sure. Um, and then he brings up the Batman Forever soundtrack too. Yeah, and, we're gonna have to hold on that we'll one. On that one, and he talked and he mentioned Wayne's World, which is another one that we're gonna we're gonna have to probably talk about. Okay, cool. Um, but. 
Uh, Who else I, so, on here? Well, so Eric Plunk uh, mentioned a couple things, but he, he one of the ones was the Brady Bunch movie, which uh, again <laughs> I, I know nothing I'm about. Like, what is this? And then I looked up the soundtrack, and I, like I'm sure, like so Davy Jones is on it, so you've already kind of won me there as a Monkees fan. So I'm right, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on board, but this it soundtrack looks very odd. So I feel like I don't know enough to get into what the story is here other than maybe if you really liked the movie then it was uh, like a really cool companion piece i don't see any like hits off of it but Mm -hmm. the brady bunch is by nature a very musically oriented like there there was a catchy theme song and stuff and there was some Mm -hmm. songs that were sung so um it's no partridge family but um see i I remember way more about the partridge family than the brady bunch but yeah i was more partridge family than brady bunch too yeah yeah yeah. and uh wow we yeah that's a whole nother rabbit trail we could go down (laughs) yeah but uh i don't know much about the brady bunch movie um, we got into some Tarantino talk. I'm going yep. to assume there's some Tarantino somewhere on your list. So. Yeah, and, and I like I mentioned, it's it's almost cheating. I said this yeah. when when Seth brought it up in the Discord. It's like, oh man, like his sound because his soundtracks are so expertly curated. Yeah, and it's it's almost cheating. Well, um, and there's something interesting there too. Um, so obviously, like he's very hands on with his, like how his films are kind of crafted, right? Right. Um, and I, I'm assuming you and most of the people listening here are familiar with the name Ricky Rackman, which didn't think was going to come up in this conversation here. <laughs> he's former MTV host, Headbangers Ball, The Cat House, you know, like just. Right. A, a TV personality guy. Um, we're not talking about Ricky Rackman. We're talking about his sister. <laughs> we're going to talk about Karen Rackman. Do you know who okay. Karen Rackman is? I, I don't, but I cannot wait for this. Other than Ricky Rackman's sister. <laughs> no. Um, Ka- Karen Rackman, while Ricky was doing his MTV thing, um, was kind of like, yeah, she dropped out of high school. She's working in LA at a clothing store. And um, started just meeting people, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, got introduced to Quentin Tarantino, who was working on Reservoir Dogs. Um, And she had kind of learned from uh, a handful of things that she was doing uh, through a small film company, how to clear music, like how to negotiate music rights. And when Mm -hmm. he heard that she could do this, this like young upstart lady and this guy who's making his first movie, they kind of clicked and dude, she goes on to be the music supervisor. And I'm just going to run through a few here because I think we're going to touch on some. Okay. So she is the music supervisor for Reservoir Dogs. All right. Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Reality Bites. Oh, Clueless. Romeo and Juliet. Boogie Nights. Bullworth. I mean, Moulin Rouge. She goes on to be one of the most impactful, like, music curators of film of the 90s. It is crazy. 
A, a, yeah. a bunch of those movies that you mentioned are almost more remembered nowadays for their soundtrack than exactly. anything else, than the movie exactly. itself. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So she, I mean, <clears throat> she thinks I don't. Reality Bites is one. I don't know if that's on your list, um, but we'll like, wait and see. Yeah, <laughs> but like some of these are yeah, just just the biggest the biggest soundtracks of the nineties. And they all have this common thread of this one lady who just had an ear for these projects. Romeo and Juliet. I don't know if it's on your list. It's definitely worth mentioning. Uh, Oh yeah. Lady Z in the discord brought it up along with the crow soundtrack. Yeah. That that was, that was, that was another one that I was like, Oh, I should have thought of that. Um, But you know that, so I, I could put that on as one of my honorable mentions, for sure. Um, um, Tim mentioned mm-hmm. Run Lola Run. Yes, um, that was which the next I, thing I was going to bring up. I've actually, I think I've seen Run Lola Run, but mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know the soundtrack very well. Um, but I looked through it a bit, and it looks pretty cool. I got, I feel like I got to spend some time with it. Um, but it seems, again, it seems like it's very connected to the actual film itself, and not that sort of marketing piece, collective hit song, whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen it since, you know, probably 99 or 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 2000. Um, but I remember really really liking it and the music was great. I don't I don't think I've ever sat down and listened to the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, the music is a huge part of that experience for sure. Um and then maybe the the last one unless there's another one that um you wanted to bring up here is um the spawn soundtrack (laughs) yeah i mean that is a really interesting one so so spawn and and it's kind of sister soundtrack if you will which comes out a couple years later for blade 2 do this unique thing where they blend just like everybody else was, I guess, at the time, although Immortal Records was the purveyor of it, right? They helped break Corn mm-hmm. and 30 Seconds to Mars and Incubus. Yeah. Like that rap rock amalgam sound, uh, Immortal Records was at the core of it. Um, but what you have on these uh, these two soundtracks specifically, Blade 2 is a couple years later, although I will point out, just has, has to be said, at least from my standpoint, Spawn, right? comic book uh like african-american fronted comic book hero 97 blade same same time Mm african-american fronted like comic book so it's like cool that these comp like these alt comic uh films that i mean spawn didn't do so great blade was pretty popular yeah um, had these very like almost progressive soundtracks where they were fusing Marilyn Manson and butthole surfers and Metallica and yeah. uh, filter with these EDM DJs. Um, and and right. they, both of them were very successful soundtracks. They were really cool. If you're into that kind of thing or you're open right. to that kind of thing, we were joking in the discord that that's a very, uh, that's a very much a, a, a John thing. There's, you know, certain yeah. people <laughs> that's, dig, down, that's right up his alley. That. Yeah. Um, but no, it's a very, very cool soundtrack. A couple songs on there that uh, that stood out for sure. Nice. Yeah, Spawn was like, I feel like Spawn was very, very um, like 
like we talk about comic book movies and it's like, that's all that there is anymore is, is superhero movies. And, but spawn, even back when, you know, back then Spider-Man was popular and there was, there was other, you know, X-Men and stuff like that. But spawn was always still very, very niche in the Mm -hmm. comic book world. Like only like the, the geekiest comic book geeks were into spawn. I had like one friend who is a super into spawn fan and had all the like, action figures and and stuff like that yeah. um but like nobody else even knew what it was yeah it, so it doesn't surprise me that the movie didn't do that well um but the, you know and unfortunately because the the soundtrack seems like such a cool uh experiment and you know that kind of thing could have done a lot better if it was attached to a movie that you know, more people had seen or cared to see. Yeah. I think they, they like identified their demographic, right? They did the market research and there's going to be another, there's another one that'll be on my list here. That's going to be overlap this kind of sentiment a little bit, but they did their market research on it and they were like, these are the kind of people who are going to see this movie. And these are the kind of people who want to hear this kind of music and they should go hand in hand. Let's get the biggest names and this Mm -hmm. big franchise and really make it, the thing um and it's uh you know the the film kind of bombed right and the soundtrack had its fan base uh there were a couple things that came off of that that were pretty big uh i don't know if you can say the soundtrack was bigger than the movie i think they both just found their niche fandoms um that won't be the case for some of these other things where the soundtrack is much more fondly remembered than the movie is (laughs) yeah so then do you have any honorable mentions that uh, we haven't talked about yet that didn't make your top five? Uh, I mean, Titanic isn't on there. I My wife probably wishes that it was. <laughs> I, 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 like that song was such a mega hit. That was such a crazy thing. It was everywhere. For, like, and Celine Dion had had a bunch of hits before that, uh, a lot of them tethered to film. But that was mm-hmm. just such a huge thing and such a huge movie. Um, so I think it goes without saying, I, I don't know if the bodyguards on yours, um, uh, you know, a lot of these, uh, are going to mainly be songs as opposed to the actual albums, yeah, the powerhouse um, ballad that goes along. Yeah. With it. Mm-hmm, I mean, the mm-hmm. bodyguard is undeniable right. for, um, I will always love you, you know, yeah. um, gangsters, paradise, dangerous minds, mm-hmm. um, Another one where he won a Grammy for that song. The the album, the soundtrack was nominated for a Grammy. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know much about the rest of it. You know, I I definitely have heard some of the songs on there. There's a yeah. unique one on there though. There's this group called um, Sista who has a song on there. And Sista is actually the four piece girl group that Missy Elliott was in. They put out oh, one album. Wow. Yeah. They have one album and they got a sync on this soundtrack as part of their deal. And then the That's band cool. broke up and she went on to be Missy Elliott. And there she, um, there she goes. So you got a little, a little early, uh, a little early Missy on that. Nice. Um, and then uh, men in black, you know, like uh, that again, my buddy had that soundtrack. Um, he played it a bunch. I just wanted to hear that song. Like there wasn't a whole lot more on the soundtrack that I needed to hear. Right. Um, but that song was a jam. I mean, I liked Will Smith. Like that says a lot about me. I, I was like, these are fun. I owned big Willie style, you know, like 
It was cool. Yeah. Millions of people did. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, There was a lot of movies that were just like, oh, this is just a Will Smith vehicle. Like (laughs) Wild Wild West. Wiki Wild Wild West. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, nothing to be ashamed of at all. Um, So anything. Well, one of the things we we were we kind of half jokingly mentioned that um, if we were to ban anything from our lists, it would be Disney movie soundtracks. Yeah, because <laughs> that's yeah. fully cheating. It but is. but it's definitely worth mentioning. You know, Lion oh, King yeah. is one of the biggest soundtracks of all time, mm-hmm. uh, or best selling. Um, you know, Elton John and everything. Um, some some truly incredible music on that soundtrack um i will do you one better and say and i actually had to look up like oh man was that still the 90s but tarzan (laughs) the tarzan soundtrack and it's almost become a meme at this point that like you know phil collins didn't have to go that hard on this you know tarzan soundtrack yeah (laughs) it's like phil collins it's tarzan it's just just make it adequate for the movie and it's like some of his best work (laughs) it's incredible music (laughs) um uh the other and of course there were other disney movies in the 90s worth mentioning but Mm -hmm. it would just be you know a top five of disney movies and we don't need to do that right um but maybe we do someday maybe we do someday there's uh (laughs) there's a lot to talk about there yeah. Um, I think the Tarantino soundtrack episode is going to have to yeah, end up happening at some, yeah. <laughs> at some point. For sure. Um, the other honorable mention that I will touch on is That Thing You Do. Mm, um, nice one. And for those that don't know, it's a, a movie about a, a fictitious uh, rock band in the sixties coming up out of, out of obscurity. A um, little bit of a Tom Hanks vehicle, um, but Adam Schlesinger, one of our favorite songwriters, rest in peace, sir. Um, he did what he does best. He did that thing that he does mm-hmm. and, you know, wrote, uh, half a dozen, if not more that didn't make it into the movie or the soundtrack, but it, this, this soundtrack almost plays like a fountains of Wayne album. It is mm-hmm. so good. And the music is incredibly catchy. And just the fact that he wrote this music for this band and it sounds like, like if you didn't know better and you were, you were listening to the radio and that thing you do came on, you would think it was like, Oh wait, who is like, yeah. What band is that? Like, yeah. is this it's a Beach Boy song I've never heard? Yeah. Is it the yeah. O'Neaters? <laughs> um, Man, I, so I love that movie. That, that's one of those movies that I'll go back to time and time again. Um, great soundtrack. Um, yeah, but there's one thing on that one, actually. So mm-hmm. I, I know that um, it, it was kind of an open call for for that. Uh, they, like they knew they needed Tom Hanks needed a, a pop song that was written for the movie that needs the hit, right? The movie's supposed to be right. about the hit. You need to actually write the hit song. Um, and so Adam Durrett said at one point uh, of the Counting Crows, he's like, yeah. a bunch of us tried, like submitted for it, like put in for it. There were uh-huh. Uh-huh. a handful of the quote unquote, those guys of that era right. that submitted songs to be that hit and mm-hmm. a- adam said he was just like once he found out that adam schlesinger had put in for it he was like oh well 
we're all doomed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, like, why are we wasting like, our time? Yeah. He was kind of just like, I mean, and then he said he heard the song and he's like, yeah, this is, that's I'm it. Just yeah. gonna, I'm going, I'm going home. I'm going to go do my own thing. Yeah. Or write that's another great. Counting Crows yeah. album. Yeah. Celestine Jarrett's a man. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Oh, rest in peace. That guy. Yeah, my man. goodness. Yeah. Um, okay. So any other honorable mentions that we need to talk about before we get into it? No, I don't think so. I think we're good. Um, you want me to go first? You want to go first? Yes. Why don't you go first? As okay. it, as per usual, okay. we'll start with our number five and up from there and go back and forth. And then we're gonna we're gonna take we'll take notes along the way and we'll we'll have to hash some things out. Obviously, yeah. if we somehow hit on one that is on both of our lists, that'll probably rocket it close to the top, if not the yeah. top. But yeah, we'll I see agree. what happens. We'll see. Yeah, I don't, I, something tells me that's not going to happen. Here, <laughs> but we'll, we'll see. That's fine. Um, I'm going to take notes. You go ahead. So I'm going to start off with Armageddon. So okay. uh, I don't know if you remember 1998. There was this weird thing that happened, and it happened In general, a couple times. Or <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. There was that, too. Um, but like... There were this happened a couple times in you were talking about that like era of of film and going to the movies with your friends or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um where you had two movies that seemed very similar. I remember a Bug's Life mm-hmm. and Ants came out around the same time. Yes. And I'm like, why is there two had, bug movies? I yeah. know. Yeah. What is and then this? you had fish you had um <laughs> what was it? You had Finding Nemo and then a shark's tail, like a shark's right- tail. What? It's like somebody's <laughs> looking at the other answers. Like somebody exactly. sneaked a peek at something here, right? Um, and so you had deep impact in Armageddon. And right. I, I, dude, I saw both, you know? Like, like I did too. When you, when you couldn't decide which one to see and you are in ninth or 10th grade and you have a weekend and there's Street Fighter and Tekken like out <laughs> yeah. in the hallway, you go and see both, you know? Exactly. Um, but the thing about... Uh, the Armageddon soundtrack. So I wasn't really into uh, classic rock or, or or whatever at the time. I looked at my dad's music and I was like, "This is lame." But I did like <laughs> Air. I did like Aerosmith. Like for some reason, Aerosmith stuck with me. Um, mm-hmm. Now this song, I don't want to miss a thing. Wound winds up being the most obnoxious hit song <laughs> ever. Right? Like it is just so frustratingly like overplayed um but that happens to a lot of these songs though yeah like poor carlos santana and rob thomas man like that's (laughs) actually a good song but damn um so so you have um you have uh this band who they're they feel like they're staging their third or fourth comeback now like in the 90s they've put out nine lives which which i bought i like their album nine lives but it was not a success and so now you have this like blockbuster movie that is tethered to this band who has 30 years of legacy but like what and and what else is on there it's a bunch of like classic jams from bob seger and zz top and journey you know with a new vocalist like our lady peace (laughs) like there's good stuff on there but it's not like so they're looking at this and they've got to be like i don't know what's about to happen here like their album just tanked and this is supposed to be like the summer teen movie right and then wouldn't you know it it's the only time the only time that aerosmith will ever get a number one song in America. 
Oh, out of really? all of their hits, out of everything that they've ever released. I wouldn't have released, guessed that. Wow. Right? The only number one song Dang. of theirs in America is that crazy freaking song. Um, I put it on this list because it was such, it was so representative of uh, that summer, that time in my life. I think, again, if we're talking, like I, I definitely approach this both from with a personal bent, but also with mm-hmm. what the 90s bigness that we were talking about represents here. Um, this thing was in, my friends and I hung out at a pool hall in ninth grade. Go figure. I don't know why it was us and a bunch of 60-year-old men. Um, but like... <laughs> They had a jukebox and this was on in the jukebox and you just let this play because it also had LaGrange on it, you know, and like you could just roll through this thing and the older dudes would roll their eyes because it started off with I don't want to miss a thing. And then (laughs) and then it would be like Journey and Bob Seger and they were into it. Yeah. Um, Anyone can get down to that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, the movie was fine. It wasn't a a bad movie. It was was an okay movie. but the soundtrack was uh, was like a cultural moment. I, I mm-hmm. felt like, yeah. yeah. Um, what's what's Can't your disagree? Five? Yeah. Okay. My, so my number five is the soundtrack to the classic cinematic masterpiece, Dumb and Dumber. Oh my god! And okay. <laughs> I feel like uh, in the nineties, it was the funniest thing in the world to just act like a complete idiot. Um, and we ate it up. We, we loved it. And there's, I'm not, I'm not knocking it. I, 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 no. I love it. Yeah. And so, and it's, it's, it was a stupid movie. One of the dumbest movies of all time. One of the greatest movies of all time. Uh, two comedic geniuses, um, playing off of each other and just having a blast and catching it all on film. Uh, and just a you know endlessly quotable movie. Um, I mean, shoot, my uh, <laughs> I have this funny memory of my sister, uh, who is you know six years younger than me, so she was definitely too young to have seen the movie, you know, when it had just came out. Um, but she was traveling cross country, and <laughs> and she sent me this video of her sitting on the side of the road. (laughs) You drove a thousand miles in the wrong direction. (laughs) Like just like it's her and her boyfriend at the time played out this whole scene from dumb and dumber. And like, she sent it to me (laughs) and I was like, yeah, how do you even know this? It's like, so it's this endlessly quotable classic movie. Um, And the soundtrack is a, a lot of silliness because there's just a lot of goofy, music in the movie you know you have Mm -hmm. crash test dummies you know there's just it's just weird the ballad of peter Pumpkinhead. like where did that come from yeah where did this band come from and why do they exist (laughs) but it was that song became a hit partially because of this movie um i I don't even know if partially probably mainly because of this movie i would assume so yeah um you've got silly um stuff that just gets stuck in your head like the that willy one blood singing that whiny whiny song um (laughs) you've got butthole surfers on here you've got green jelly doing the bear went over the mountain like it's just crazy stuff yeah um but it's and then you've still got good stuff on there like you've got d light doing you sexy thing um and the proclaimers are on here 
Um, it's just a really, really fun soundtrack to listen to yeah. also because it, um, you know, it'll bring you back to a, a silly part of the movie and, um, you know, you'll just start laughing and cracking up about it, uh, in your head. So, um, you know, obviously it's not high on my list, but I have tons of fond memories of driving around listening to this, um, you know, new age girl by dead. Eye Dick, just like silly stuff. Uh, but singing it at the top of your lungs with your friends in the car, is just so much fun. So that's, that's my number five pick. <laughs> that's di- I dig it. I, so I didn't, I wasn't old enough. I think at that point to see it in the theaters, I remember it being in the theaters, um, mm-hmm. but I didn't go see that one uh, at a movie theater. I definitely watched it at a friend's house, maybe a year or two later and yeah, it was just it it greenlit your ability to be so dumb and ridiculous. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, and I do remember the m- music in the movie being really fun and mm-hmm. and like just absurd. And I'm looking at the lineup and I see the butthole surfers and like yep. like the stuff that's on here represents that movie so well. Like of uh, just absurd. It's like I kind of expect to see primus on here too you know like i i it it Surprising, feels like right? they probably should have done been. a lot of yeah. movie soundtracks mm-hmm. yeah yeah um all right so my number four and it was number mentioned four. in the community is batman forever now all right so batman forever talk to me right? about batman forever because i think before we started rolling uh i mentioned how this one might have been like a one song only kind of thing but you right are you're about to uh, expand my mind on this? I think a little bit, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to go. I don't think I'm going to go too hard in the paint, but um, it's <laughs> just number four. Uh, <laughs> but two massive hits off of a soundtrack, which usually doesn't happen, right? So, Kiss from right. a Rose. Kiss from a Rose is undeniable. Kiss from a Rose is the song Incredible. that. Every uh, girl in your middle school or high school was swooning over and Seal became a household name. The crazy thing about Kiss from a Rose. So Mm -hmm. it was not a song for this movie. It was a song for his own album. And then it was on NeverEnding Story 3's soundtrack. Go figure. Really? Yeah. Bananas. Like, why is that even on there? I did not know that. The confusion of, like, weird licensing stuff or whatever, right? That's Um, wild. But then it gets put onto this soundtrack Mm -hmm. um, and winds up being this massive hit. But, like... You also have you two who have created this song for this movie as well. Like this, mm-hmm. this is this is yeah, a freestanding song movie, that was right? written for the movie. Yeah, yes. okay. Um, because Bono was supposed to be in the movie. Like they had talked about oh, really? having him. Yeah, they had talked about having him be in the movie. Um, and they didn't. It didn't work out. They couldn't figure out how to make it feel right. And yeah, that'd and be he weird. Couldn't, he could <laughs> sort it out. Yeah, and so instead they were like, well, we'll. We, we had they'd kind of like made this song around the Zuropa time. They had it sitting in the corner. It didn't really fit with the other stuff they put out. And so they're like, yeah, hey, we'll give you this one, you know, um, mm-hmm. and winds up being a hit. Um, so so there's two two huge hits on there. There's um, Method Man does a song specifically about the Riddler, who that's awesome <laughs> is probably. I'm, so I also love this movie. So there's there's definitely some like favored 
uh, placement here because I just think that this movie is such a cool amalgam of like dark Batman with the like flashy comic book thing. I think they did mm-hmm. it really well. And then it yeah. falls apart for Batman and Robin. Right. Um, <laughs> right. But like Jim Carrey <laughs> as the Riddler was so How perfect. Is that <laughs> also third time we've talked about Jim Carrey so far. I mean, I it's the nineties yeah, and we're I talking about fair. movies. So yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, but like, so he's so perfect. Honestly, it's a pretty weak Method Man RZA song, you know, like as far as they go. But it yeah, is but it's cool. like pizza. Even if it's not yeah. the best pizza, it's still pizza. Come on. It's still pizza. And it's still <laughs> him like rapping. It's not just like, like he made it. You could tell he watched the movie and he's like, this dude is crazy and I have to write a song about him. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like is awesome. So it's fun to just experience that. That's um, great. But then there's one other thing. And again, I don't know how familiar you are with this movie, but um, with me, it's it's kind of an all or nothing situation. So the movies that I've watched and I like, I could probably recite them by memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I just have never seen anything else. Um, but <laughs> so there's this scene in Batman Forever where Edward has is kind of finding himself before he goes full on evil. And he goes to his home and his home is this weird apartment with this like creepy doll and all this stuff and there's Mm -hmm. this jangly kind of ethereal twisted song playing and i remember being enamored with it i'm like what is this song and it's a flaming lips song called bad days it's it's called bad days and i love this song dude and i think it's partially because it's paired with this like bananas scene and this amazing character that's just off his rocker and losing Uh it but he's also been downtrodden so there's an emo sense to it but Mm -hmm. like this this song is so perfectly synced and set to what is happening in that scene um it it almost it it, it, there's only a few of these songs that's actually in the movie and that's one of them um Mm -hmm. but it like there's there's been times when I bought a soundtrack uh, and the song that was in the movie isn't on the soundtrack for some reason, right? Because the, the legal stuff didn't line up or whatever. And I remember getting this mm-hmm. soundtrack and being like, man, I hope that song's on here. And sure enough, it is. It's like right near the end. Oh, nice. Um, I, I, I listened to that nonstop. Um, and the last thing I'll say about this is it's like, I mean, what did we say? We said U2, Flaming mm-hmm. Lips, Method man, like Wu Tang, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have Brandy, the offspring, Mazzy Star. Oh, really? Like, oh, wow. <laughs> dude, it is like you would never see this. And again, we're talking like 97, 98. Mm-hmm. No, 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 earlier than that, 90, 95, 96. But like that is when those they were the biggest. When would you have Sunny Day Real Estate and Wu Tang on the same? Release? Oh my god! You know, like just doesn't happen. Um, so it was. Yeah, you're it's right, such a. It's mm-hmm. yeah. It's such a unique moment. Um, and and again, I I know that there's some uh, there's a bunch of nostalgia playing into this pick for me. Um, but it it's it so identifies like what the '90s again, what the '90s were when this was that sort of sculpted vehicle mm-hmm. for a film oh wow nick cave and massive attacker on here too wow yeah it's so crazy dude i like okay but i definitely remember not listening to this 
cover to cover. This is one mm-hmm. that you skip around. This is one where it's just like, I'm just going to listen to the Flaming Lips song over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you fixate um, on stuff like that. I understand. You can't listen to this. Like, how do you go from like PJ Harvey to Brandy to Massive Attack? Like, it's, it's not cohesive by any right. stretch. <laughs> right. Um, but it is a really cool, like, cross section snapshot of some crazy stuff that was going on at the time. Yeah. Well, shoot, you got me sold on it. Ah. Um, That's literally like I knew, I knew about the U2 and seal song, but I literally didn't know about any of any of the others. So that's um, what we're here for. I, I, I've never, I've never listened to the dumb and dumber soundtrack. Now (laughs) I am very intrigued. That's one that's difficult. You'll have to find like a YouTube playlist or something. Cause that's one that's all chopped up on if you try yeah. to go just stream it. Um, okay. Number four, another kind of a weird one. And um, uh, I kind of hinted at it with uh, one of the, one of the feelers that I put out there uh, when we were, you know, asking the community question. Uh, but my number four is tank girl. Oh, okay. Now um, you, the connection with tank girl is that it was partially created by the visual artist that went on to create gorillas with Damon Albarn. Oh, um, so it's kind on. of that kind of vision. You know what I mean? Um, really weird movie. Um, <laughs> uh, but very nineties, um, very like extreme nineties vibes. Trying to mm-hmm. trying to be weird as possible. Definite comic book vibes about it. Uh, I think it's based on a comic book, and someone's going to school me and say, "I can't believe you didn't know that." But um, yeah, just a really interesting movie. But so much cool music is on this soundtrack. So, um, you've got the um, kind of the the big hit so to speak, is uh, Army of Me by Bjork, which was a huge hit in the 90s anyway. Yeah. Um, but you've got a lot of 90s staples on here. You've got Hole, um, Bush does Bush. a song here. Uh, Veruca Salt is Veruca on here. Veruca Salt, yeah. Um, Portishead, um, L7, uh, which you don't hear a whole lot about, but they definitely encapsulate a lot of that Um that 90s sound. Um, and then Devo is on here with girl you want. Like it's, it just, if you saw the film, you would under, it's, it kind of works with the movie. Um, and then ice T has a really interesting song here right at the end. Um, I think it's so like encapsulates so much nineties music. Um, and it's all kind of, all of these songs are kind of the same energy. Okay. Um, you know, the outlier might be Devo, but uh yeah, but Mother's Probably Ball, not a like Mother's yeah, he Ball did a lot did, of did a lot stuff. Of stuff. He did it. I mean, I think he was involved in his cartoon a bunch of cartoon stuff and Happy yeah. Gilmore. He did a lot of stuff. Well, yeah. a lot of the um Wes Anderson a oh, lot he did of the Rushmore. Anderson, yeah. Yeah. So which we might talk about in a, in yeah. a little bit here. <laughs> um, but it's it's a really cool soundtrack to a really um, unique and weird movie that I feel like a lot of people haven't seen or might know mm-hmm. a lot about. It's definitely worth looking up and checking out, even if it's just for the the nineties of it. Yeah. I don't know how well it stands up, uh, but it's it's definitely 
unique. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> I feel like I don't even really know this movie. Like, I feel like I need to see this movie. Is it? Is yeah, it and I'm pr- good. Go ahead. I was, I'm just probably not representing it very well. But is um, it good? Like, because some of these soundtracks we're talking about, where the soundtrack's amazing, and then the movie's kind of like meh. You know, like it's just it's just okay. So it's another one of those. Might be obviously it wasn't nearly as popular as like Spawn, but right. it's it was a com it was based on a comic book. Um, it's it's kind of a post apocalyptic sci fi thing. So That's my language, that, yeah. Um, I don't really know what else to say about it. It's just really okay. unique. It's got a little bit of Mad Max influence, um, but you know you got a female tough tough girl lead. Um, who kicks ass and takes names and she's like, you know, drives a tank and it's like, how much cooler could you get than that? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's fun. It's definitely All fun, right. but it's, 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 it it's a little bit odd. It's just weird. You've got right. like this pig character with prosthetic. He, oh, pig Ice face. T's in the movie. Yes, that's right. It's Ice yeah, T. There he is. Yeah. <laughs> there he <Yeah>. is. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, yeah, um, I need I need to see this movie. First the, the of all, the soundtrack was partially assembled by Courtney Love, so wow. well, that's yeah, why holes on there. Yeah, there's yeah, but there's a lot going on here. That's um, so cool. Oh, another quick side note is there is a song by a band called The Magnificent Bastards, which is actually a Scott Weiland side project. Oh, yeah. So there's huh. some little interesting tidbits here. Um, you know, and sometimes I wonder, I mean, I don't know anything about it, but sometimes artists like that would do like side project things so that they could work on stuff like they'd be contractually yeah. obligated to do something under a different name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wonder, yeah, I wonder if that played into it. Huh. All right. Yep. Um, number three. Um, let's see. I mean, I could go could go either way. I oh, think, you're still not a hundred percent, huh? Well, I have. I, my I five. was there too. I was yeah. kind of there too. <laughs> two and two and three are tough, and I feel like I'm gonna go with Romeo and Juliet for the third, um, because I there feel like I've, I stacked the bottom with uh, some gaudy pop box office bangers, and I feel like I need <laughs> I need a little redemption before I do it again. Yeah, I need some um, edge. Yeah. Uh, well, you had butthole surfers, so I need butthole surfers. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I've seen this movie two or three times, so that's something. Um, hadn't seen it until I met my wife, though. She oh, was okay. the one who showed this to me. Um, but I remember a bunch of people having this soundtrack, so I knew the soundtrack a little bit better than I knew the movie. Yeah. Um, very cool those. lineup. Very, very cool lineup. Uh, one of those that we talked about, um, uh, Karen Rackman specials, mm-hmm. um, just well tethered into the movie, as I then saw when I watched it. Um, you had Garbage, Number One Crush, Local yeah. God. Like, I love Everclear. I think art's awesome. Um, like Butthole Everclear. Surfers, um, Love Fool by the Cardigans. Um, it's just, mm-hmm. it's such a cool thing. And then, like, now, Radiohead, that's kind of cool. But, like, at the time, yeah. I didn't really care. <laughs> right. At the time, well, it's interesting. This was pre OK Computer. Right. And, um, oh, okay. Interesting. That's so that may be right, why 90, it's kind of like, okay. Uh, you know, they weren't one of the 
like headliners of the album. Um, but this, the radio ta- that song talk show host, mm-hmm. um, it's on the, on bands, the album is, right? uh, I, I don't think so. I think it was no? for is the it movie. For this? We, might, we might have to look it up. It, uh, of, okay. of course, it's one of those that kind of got more popular later on. And mm. I think it's on probably like a B sides collection thing. Uh, maybe um, it was like a bonus track or something. Of course. Yeah. yeah it was yeah. one of those. Um, okay. let's see where this is from. It might have been on a, a it, it was either a B side or on one of their EPs for. Yeah, I don't um, see it on anything. So maybe I it think was it was on that. the Street Spirit single. Yeah. Let me see really quick. Yep. Okay. So it was, it's basically the B side to the Street Spirit single, which is off of um, the Benz. So yeah, yeah that, that, that makes sense. Pretty crazy. Um, it just like, we keep coming to these points where it's uh, a, this one isn't uh, a very diverse soundtrack. It's very calculated. Um, and you can listen to this cover to cover and have it be fairly consistent. You've got a lot of um, a lot of that kind of like smart nineties alt rock that's kind of, that's mixed in there um, with the sort of, you know, uh, artsy angle of this, like edgy artsy angle of this movie. Yeah, um, definitely. So yeah, it's a really cool one. It's just something that I remember. Uh, again, we're talking 96, 97. This is mm-hmm. when I started listening to music and I had friends that were listening to music a whole bunch. And like, you were going to record stores and buying stuff. And this was just, this was just that, like the, I feel like Christmas time, like, like everybody coming out of Christmas got this as a gift and yeah, um, <laughs> a bunch of, bunch of people were walking around with it. Absolutely. What's your Good number pick. three? Good pick. Okay. Number three is train spotting. All right. Um, obviously one of my, uh, big musical discoveries in the nineties is, kind of that um i don't know what you want to call it third wave british invasion that was happening mm-hmm. and um uh i was into the train spotting soundtrack and this is probably the only one of these where where this is the case but um i was into the train spotting soundtrack before i saw the movie oh okay um, yeah cuz it was kind of um it was it was mm, it's it's a very adult movie. There's just a lot of, you know, you've got some gross stuff and you've got a lot of drug use and stuff like that. So um, definitely not something that I could have playing in the house with my parents around. So yeah. I didn't see the movie until later. But, um, you know, going into um, music stores and seeing the soundtrack and looking at the artists on the soundtrack, I was like, Whoa. So, um, you know, it's, it's very, you know, it's a very UK film and it's a very British or very UK soundtrack. Mm -hmm. Obviously that Iggy pop lust for life is like the big, everyone knows that everyone knows that rhythm and you know what, what's that song is the moment that you hear those drums. Um, unless you get faked out and it's actually a jet song, but (laughs) we won't talk about that. Um, but you've got Brian Eno new order. Um, and then you've got blur of course. Um, 
Pulp, which might be the most British band ever. Um, Elastica, <laughs> who we've talked about. Yeah. So um, it's 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 a, a little bit of a. It's funny because it's such a dark. It, it's it's a it's definitely probably what you would consider a dark comedy, and the soundtrack sort of reflects that to where it's kind of both fun and dark and depressing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember listening to this soundtrack in the car quite a bit on longer drives and it's, it's a really well-rounded soundtrack, really, really well curated. Um, I'm not sure who did it, who put it together, but, um, they knew what they were doing in, in, yeah. in more ways than one. It was, it was, uh, the perfect time for a soundtrack like this with, you know, these, these bands like Elastica and Blur and, and, uh, and Pulp being, um, getting more popular in the States. So it, it hit kind of at the perfect time and it, it just says a lot about what a great soundtrack can do because again, like I, I hadn't even seen, I owned the soundtrack and had the CD and I had not even seen the movie yet. Yeah. It was just a great compilation of, you know, music from the UK that I could pop in and enjoy. Yeah, I think um, so this movie, I didn't see this until college and I think I've only seen it that one time. Mm -hmm. Um, It's definitely one of those movies that I've always meant to go back and see because I feel like now with my brain that's not 18, uh, I could probably (laughs) like actually appreciate all of this. Um, This soundtrack was, I mean, it it was and has continued to be one of like the most well-regarded soundtracks of all time, just like as it's put together and as it represents um, the movie, as it represents Brit rock, if you like, or Mm -hmm. diminutizes it, but like British music and British pop music. Um, And and I would, I would wager because it's, it's Danny Boyle who is kind of like Tarantino, very involved. Oh, Dan- okay. That's makes sense. Right. right yeah. Right. Okay. He's very immersed in his projects. Uh, mm-hmm. So I would assume that, I, I mean, I'm sure he had a music director that worked with him on it, but I would mm-hmm. assume that it was somebody that was working hand in hand with him. Like he seems like that kind of guy who probably handpicked a lot of this music to be connected to, mm-hmm. uh, to this project. Um, that's a great pick. That's a really good one. And then like one last funny, um, note about it is that, um, from what I understand, um, uh, Oasis was approached to provide a song for the movie, but they turned it down. (laughs) It does seem like that's the big glaring hole here, right? Right. Exactly. I guess that makes a lot of sense. I'm not sure exactly why, but they, they said, no, we're not going (laughs) to. We're not going to contribute a song to the movie. I bet you that's a that. First of all, like I, I wonder if both brothers agreed to that, or if there's that's a point of contention between the two. And also, like I bet you that's just another notch for Damon Albarn looking at that, being like, "You guys yeah. aren't even on one of the greatest <laughs> soundtracks of all time." <laughs> exactly. I'm standing over here with Pulp and Iggy Pop. Brian Eno's yeah. right riding next to me. Where are y'all at? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Amazing. But that's yeah. that wasn't that was definitely so I, I know what you mean. I kind of I kind of ribbed you a little bit for it, but it was hard for me to pick whether that was going to be number two or number three. Yeah, um, for sure. That ended up being yeah. my number three. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, 
so then my number two is one that is going to be very uh, contentious, I think. And okay. that is uh, that is Godzilla, the album. Um, so, so this is, this album is bananas. Um, <laughs> this album. So I don't know if you remember, um, there was new year's Eve, uh, 1997. There was a commercial, um, where Godzilla broke to the Times Square ball as it was dropping. It was like a whole thing that aired. And just as kids, again, middle school, whatever, <laughs> like we were just like, this is crazy. Like what's happening here? Oh my God, Godzilla is coming. And this was going to be the monster blockbuster of all right. time, you know? Um, and it wasn't <laughs> like it was, right. uh, it, it like it sold okay or it did okay that first um that first week or two and then it completely fell off and it almost became a joke um but the crazy thing is and we're talking about soundtracks as a marketing vehicle like right. everybody knew about this movie because yeah of course it, again it had two huge songs off of it it had mm-hmm. heroes the Bowie cover by the Wallflowers, right? Um, the Wallflowers, mm-hmm. and it it had uh, "Come with Me," which, like, I remember, I remember watching the music video for Puff Daddy doing "Come with Me," mm-hmm. and my dad is in the kitchen, and he is like, "What is this garbage?" And I'm like, <laughs> I, don't, "I don't know." It's Puff Daddy and Jimmy Page playing on TV, and he's like. This guy just stole cashmere, and I'm like, Jimmy Page is on the TV, <laughs> it's Dad. Jimmy Page, yeah. Like I see him there. Like it's not like he just got uh-huh. like it's not a hologram. We didn't know about those yet, you know. Like he has co-signed on this thing, which is crazy, by the way. Like, um, and again, like now understanding hip hop even better than I did then, it is really cool. Like instead of like, I mean, Puff Daddy was the king of just like grabbing people's music and sampling it and and taking credit for it um (laughs) but but like if you have the cosign and the appearance and the performance of the person that you're working with and it's really a collaboration um and it's not the worst puff daddy song um Mm -hmm. but then you have dude you have like again like this was going to be such a big thing that they got the foo fighters to write a song for it. And like, this is 98. Oh, they so have an original f- for it. Yeah. A three twenty oh. is like originally for this. And then it comes out as a B side, uh, on something else. But like, uh-huh. they write a song for this rage against the machine, dude. Like this is the right. machine. This is the marketing machine and rage yeah. against the machine has an exclusive song on this soundtrack. There was like, some, uh, there was some controversy around oh, they, that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they because there's like a lyric in that song that kind of throws in the face of the fact like it's almost like they did it to put it on there to fight within the machine. Like yeah, they're raging they, against they the machine a from within the machine. Yeah, somewhere. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Um but yeah, there's I mean, Jamiroquai uh has mm-hmm. has an exclusive song on here and a lot of these things wind up coming oh, out ben as, as B-sides. Yeah, but you just like it was such a moment mm-hmm. that probably should or could have been more than it was. 
Um, and it just wasn't like the soundtrack went on to be this huge thing. Yeah. Um, and the movie, I mean, nobody talks about that movie. They did a bunch <laughs> of other ones afterwards. Nobody cared. Um, I've never it's, seen it. Uh, I didn't go see oh, it. You haven't and seen I, it? No. And I was really? the perfect age to go see it. But I like, saw it at the time and like, I kind of liked it, but so like when you watch it, like we actually ro- watched it recently because I, I think we watched it last year. Um, my, my, uh, my younger daughter, um, mm-hmm. who would have been like five at the time, she got on this huge Godzilla kick. She loved okay. Godzilla. Cause we watched one of the newer ones. I think it was Godzilla King of the monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, and she loved it. We were like, Oh, this is going to be too scary for you. She's like, no, it looks great. I want to see it. So we're like, okay, uh, it's Godzilla. How bad could it be? It's not going to be gory or anything. So, mm-hmm. and she loved it. So she, you know, pulled up every Godzilla movie she could find. And this was one of them. And I, I, I walked into the living room and I was like, why are you watching a Matthew Broderick movie? And I was like, Oh, it's Godzilla. <laughs> I haven't so seen weird, this in dude. 20 years. Yeah. And, um, uh, it's, it's actually, okay. So if you watch it in, okay. So who else is in this, right? You've got Matthew Broderick, Hank Azaria, Harry so Shearer, weird. Harry Shearer. It's like, <laughs> Dude, if you watch it like it's a comedy, it's yeah. brilliant. It's <laughs> it's it's not it's what it's supposed hilarious. to be. Hilarious. No, yeah. it's uh, so go into it with an open mind and just enjoy it for the ridiculousness of it all. It's it's awesome. <laughs> I probably would, dude. Again, like <laughs> talking about Tank Girl, post-apocalyptic. It's great. Mm-hmm. I love Cloverfield. Like a big yeah. monster ripping something apart is the best for me. I definitely want I, I should definitely see this movie man well just um, you know if just oh, go and into Roland it. Emmerich did it I love Independence Day this is crazy that I haven't seen this movie it, wow. it's it just feels I can understand why it didn't really hit because mm-hmm. it, it's when you look at the cast and like house but like the seriousness of uh the marketing and the sound how hard the soundtrack goes it's oh, yeah. it's weird because it's like You've got all this, you know, you've got the 90s extreme thing going on. You've got all this, you know, marketing like this is going to be the biggest thing ever. This is going to be the biggest thing since Jurassic Park. And this soundtrack that goes incredibly hard. And you've got Matthew Broderick and Hank Azaria. (laughs) So weird. It's so weird. It's so weird, right? (laughs) I feel like I don't know why I didn't want to see this movie other than the fact that like, I know it got bad reviews and maybe as a kid, I got swayed by it. Like this should have been Mm. something where I was just like, yeah, I'm going to go see this stupid monster movie because I love stupid monster movies because I'm a stupid (laughs) kid, you know? Right. Um, It's so weird. I don't know, yeah. man, but it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's entertaining. I'll just put it yeah, that for way. sure. All right. <laughs> I got to check it out. It's worth a watch. Um, what's your number two. Okay. We knew this was coming, but, and I don't know how deep down this rabbit hole you want to go, but, uh, my number two is Pulp Fiction. Okay. There we go. <laughs> I mean, and you probably could have put, you know, any of those we had a lot of conversations um, recently because of all of this about mm-hmm. Jackie Brown. Yeah. And if I, if I had, you know, if you put a gun to my head, I think Jackie Brown is the better movie and might be a more fitting soundtrack 
oh, okay. for, for its movie. Uh, great soundtrack. But in terms of the pure 90s, like eclectic, um, everything but the kitchen sink style of soundtrack, like the, there's almost no better representation of that type of soundtrack than Pulp Fiction. Right. Um, you know, th- this is the soundtrack that introduced me uh, as a budding guitar player to Dick Dale. Um, okay. Went out and bought Dick Dale records and started cranking up the reverb knob on my amazing and playing dude. surf music. Like yeah. I didn't know who Dick Dale was before the Pulp Fiction soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know who Urge Overkill was. Um, I barely knew um, who. Um, God, my brain wanted to say Casey and the Sunshine Band, but that is the absolute wrong name. <laughs> it's it's shoot i hate how my brain does this man and it's been doing this ever since covid i hit an absolute brick wall who does jungle boogie uh jungle boogie <laughs> why am i drawing man, a blank why on am this? i i can't think all right of here we go cool, I got... cool in the gang yes it's cool in the gang okay. stupid yeah. it's cool in the gang my brain wanted to say casey and the sunshine band i'm such an yeah. idiot um okay so we're going to leave it in. I'm not editing that out because yeah, this is not? real life, folks. Yeah. So you got Cool no in the Gang. Um, Al Green is on this. Dusty Springfield. Oh, my God. It's it, There's so much good music on here that I just didn't know about um, mm-hmm. before this. And uh, I, I loved this soundtrack. Um, I think more than anything else, it got me into some surf music. Um, Urge Overkill has a little bit of that kind of beachy surfy sound to them so it got me into into that kind of style um and then there's you know there's that whole um you know elvis versus beatles discussion in the restaurant and you know obviously this is a seems like more of an elvis themed movie and it it just kind of shows in the soundtrack and in the overall theme of the 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 music in it um I think this also, I I probably lied or spoke too soon when I said what I said about train spotting, because I'm pretty sure I got into this album before seeing the movie as well. Cause this was, this was another one that like, yeah, I don't want, I don't want my parents knowing that I'm watching Pulp Fiction in, you know, 1998 or whatever it was. Yeah. Unless you um, were sneaking into some of these theaters. I mean, I know that we're a little, uh, our age gap is a little bit, but not, I mean, you must've been 11 or 12 at the time that this was coming out. I don't know how you were getting into those. Although to be fair, uh, I was yeah. older. Th- I was a little older than that. Okay. I was like, I was like 15, 16. Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, I could buy a ticket for a PG 13 movie and then sneak into the R rated theater every now and then, Um, or I had, I had, I had a couple friends that had cool moms that would like, you know, they're good. Let it, let them go in. (laughs) Yeah. I have a a couple of memories of that. Um, see, I had Smitty. Smitty was my age and he was my best friend, but he looked like he was in high school. So uh he would, he would be able to buy R rated movie tickets and then he would, he would, or rent them from the video store. Exactly, dude. Smitty was the man for that. And then my parents found out. 
yeah, we went to go see Fled, which is a terrible movie, but it was an R-rated movie, and I was 12 and probably shouldn't have been in there. Oh, shoot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Pulp Fiction, I definitely, I mean, I've never seen all of it. I've seen bits and pieces of it, but the soundtrack, so it's it's definitely just like any of his other stuff, right, where it is as curated as the film is. It is curated right. to to the film the music is a living breathing part of the movie yes right it um is. and when you listen to this soundtrack because i have heard a good chunk of the soundtrack there's like texture points through it it's not just music right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think is like dialogue and stuff like it is it is like yep. cover to cover what the movie is on in audio form almost yeah exactly and <clears throat> despite how eclectic it is, it has that it has that kind of thread somehow that runs it all together. And I think all of his soundtracks have that, but this one just kind of takes the cake for just how out there and eclectic it it sounds, but still is somehow cohesive at the same time. So there just it's just a huge achievement in, you know whatever the word is curation. Yeah. Um, so major, major, major props for that to, you know, the filmmakers and, and whoever clears all of this music from, you know, across decades of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can't be, it can't be easy. It's, it's definitely no small feat for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, this one was never going to be my number one, but I think it definitely deserves the number two spot. So that's, it's that's never going to be your number one. Is so it, interesting. It couldn't be, but okay. and, and you'll, you might, it might make more sense why once you hear my number one. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, so I'll do my number one, which um, is in line with everything else we've been talking about. Um, I, uh, I chose can't hardly wait. I, um, right, this movie, this movie, I actually like a lot. I, uh, I've watched it a bunch of times. Um, I'm not the biggest, like kind of teen movie fan. There's a few of them that I dig, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, like American pie is, is such a juggernaut and it's a soundtrack that probably should be mentioned, but, um, it never resonated with me for whatever reason. Um, but I, there is, you know, I liked Smash Mouth. Smash Mouth was fine. Um, and they had a hit song off of this album. Um, but it was, it, it checked the boxes of, um, it had Third Eye Blind, mm-hmm. Blink-182, Busta Rhymes, Guns N' Roses. Like it was all of these bands that I was separately into. And um the movie clicked. I saw the movie. There was great music in the movie. And I remember mm-hmm. going to the wall, um, like right afterwards, like the next day it must've been. And, and looking at the back of the lineup and I didn't buy a lot of soundtracks because you were ostensibly buying a song and then hoping that the rest of it was good. Right. But Sometimes when it I, the case. Yeah. Yeah, but when I looked at this, a lot of the time, yeah, mm-hmm. um, and you and maybe you got exposed to some new stuff. Like that was a really cool way to find new music. Yeah, um, but there was uh, so when I looked at the back of this CD, which I'll hold up right now, I still got my wall sticker on it. There it um, 
lifetime music guarantee is going to get me uh, a whole lot of help if this ever breaks. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but I remember looking at it and being like, man, I like like seven or eight of the artists on here. Um, nice. And it's other than, um, other than graduate, which I, I had on their first album, uh, third eye blinds, first album. Like I didn't have these songs. I didn't have, um, the, I didn't have Dude Ranch by Blink-182 yet. I was only just kind of learning about them. Mm-hmm. And um, and so picking this up, like, it's definitely the kind of soundtrack when you look at it, it seems like one of those ones that you couldn't listen to cover to cover because it's so all over the place. Um, but I did. And, mm-hmm. like, there's stuff on here that are from bands that I never heard from again, like Braham and black lab and dog's eye view, but I can remember all of those yeah. songs. Like I, I <laughs> know I have no all idea those who songs. those are. <laughs> I have no idea who those people are, but I know all those songs. Right. Um, I, I haven't watched this movie in a few years. It's, you know, it's becoming harder and harder to go back to certain things from the nineties these days, because there are some problematic things and I'm a a little, (laughs) I'm a little concerned about Seth green. Uh, I don't know what's what, what I'm going to see when I do watch this. Um, But, (laughs) but it's a movie. Everyone should be concerned about Seth green. (laughs) Yeah. But it's, I mean, I love Jennifer love Hewitt though. Oh my God. Um, But it's a movie that I feel like, if I go back to it and it holds up at all, like I definitely want my kid to see it. I, I don't know. It's such a American pie did a thing that um, it, it over-exaggerated a lot of stuff in a really fun way. And I think that that resonated with a lot of people. Whereas yeah. can't hardly wait. I really feel like while it, did accentuate certain things it wasn't it, as goofy it, yeah it was kind of like 10 uh 10 things i hate about you like those yeah, two a little movies more real. to me where it's like there's a couple over the top moments where like is he really going to be crowd surfing to the guns and roses song in somebody's right, living right. room <laughs> probably not but like a lot of this stuff is fairly believable you know yeah. like it like it definitely and i was on the cusp of high school like i was just into high school when this is coming out and i'm like man this is this is me in like two years maybe i right. need to get a pair of goggles and like act like Seth Green, <laughs> you know like <laughs> like just walk start? around with like that, did, with ski goggles <laughs> ski <and stuff>. goggles <laughs> on yeah yeah um oh, man so yeah, so I, I I love this album. I I still it's it's like one of the few soundtracks that I'll still throw in my um my CD wallet because nice. it's something that you can kind of skip around in and uh and it's it's just got bangers, man. It's just it's it's really great, and I think it. Um, again, I keep going back to American Pie. American Pie gets the credit for being the teen movie with the soundtrack to end all soundtracks. And I think it's this one. I, I like 10 things I hate about awesome. you has a great one too, but it's very ska influenced. Like there's a lot of letters to Cleo, which I love. Um, but this one, I just think it's more well rounded. I think they nailed it. I think yeah. it's just like all across the board between like the movie and the, the actual collection of songs. I think they really nailed it. Awesome. All right, right. what's the number one? Okay, so this one, as it kind of seems to be for you, this was definitely more of a a deeply personal pick. And this movie came out at just the perfect time for uh, a a budding guitar player, a budding, Mm -hmm. um, you know, 
kid that liked to play with camcorders and make stupid little shows. Um, the, my number one is the Wayne's World movie soundtrack. Wow. And All right. It just it came out at just the absolute perfect time for me. It was it was goofy, but the goofiness was still smart. And even at that age, I I understood um, like when they're having the whole conversation about selling out while mm. they're like holding up a Pepsi and talking about what they're taking for their headache and they're just like dropping brands left and right. Like even at like probably 11 or 12 years old when I was seeing this, I understood the joke. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but the soundtrack and it's like they, they, that the scene where they're, they're jamming to Bohemian Rhapsody in the car. Iconic. One of the most iconic movie scenes of the nineties, but it resonated so much because that's what all of us did. We would yeah. drive around and be goofy with our friend. I mean, I wasn't doing that at 12 years old, but you know, especially right. later on as a teenager, when there was nothing to do, especially in the nineties, there really was hardly any internet yet. You know, nobody was glued to their smartphones. We, there was nothing to do. We drove around and listened to music and did goofy stuff with our friends in the car. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, with Bohemian Rhapsody being on that soundtrack, that was the song and it became like a hit a second time. I, I, from what I understand, it wasn't even that really big of a hit when the song first came out. It was really right. the movie that made it a hit. Yeah, um, no, for sure. But, you know, you've got Jimi Hendrix on the soundtrack um, with the iconic scene of Dana Carvey as Garth doing his foxy lady routine mm-hmm. to the dream woman. And you've got Alice Cooper, you've got Black Sabbath, you've got, uh, um, there's actually even an early Soundgarden song on here that's not in, for some reason, not in every version of the soundtrack. I'm not sure why. Um, And you've got, you've got Tia Carrera's versions of songs on here, which who didn't love Tia Carrera in the 90s? Um, But um there's just so much to love about the soundtrack. And of course it's a lot more geared towards, you know, kind of the, the metalhead side of the Wayne's world universe, <clears throat> but it's a, just such a fun soundtrack start to finish. You can listen to the whole thing. Um, and the best place to listen to it is in the car banging mm-hmm. your head with your That's friends. Right. That's right. Uh, driving to go get some jelly donuts. <laughs> Dude. I mean, everybody, Everybody had this CD. Like yeah. this was, this was or everywhere. Um, or the it tape, was early nineties. Yeah. <laughs> I think now, we had I will tape. say <laughs> this is definitely one. And I didn't grab it. I didn't, mm-hmm. but this is one that I do remember getting reissued, which is kind of crazy. Cause you have to think that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of pre-existing music on this. It's not music that might've been contractually signed to mm-hmm. the movie itself. Um, so it, I think it speaks to how, uh, like the, the thirst for, uh, a vinyl repressing of something like this, like they knew yeah. that it's worth going through the trouble to put that back together because it would sell because people want it because it's such an important oh, yeah. soundtrack. Um, I mean, it was double platinum. It's, yeah, a it's a huge album. Yeah. <laughs> Insanely and, and popular. You can't, you can't, uh, forget how big this movie was too i mean like i i remember like this is another one where in 92 i was 
eight. So mm-hmm. like <laughs> should not have been seeing this movie. Probably. No, probably not me either. <laughs> um, but like I was definitely in this kid Ryan's garage behind his house and he had a TV with a VHS player. And like I was probably nine or ten at that point And mm-hmm. we were watching it like out in the garage because that was a cool thing to do. And I, my, his parents weren't around, you know? Um, and then all you do is play out scenes from the movie with your friends for the rest of your life. That's a hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Um, iconic movie and a great, a great number one pick for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, so we need, we need a high five here though. Yeah. Um, so, so here's my, my take. Cause I've been, so I jotted down your list here. So, I mean, I feel like train spotting Pulp Fiction and like your top three need to stay at least in the high five, but also probably near the top three. Um, you think it, so? It mainly. I think so. Here's my thing, though. And this is a weird little twist. I feel like as a guy who hasn't even seen the movie, Pulp Fiction's probably the number one soundtrack like of the 90s. Like the high five is like our nostalgia comes and plays into this. So uh, I'm open to the dialogue here. Mm -hmm. But like ostensibly, if we're just going off of like what is the most important or what are the greatest or most impactful or representative, like whatever the criteria we want to set. Right. I feel like Pulp Fiction is kind of undeniable uh, as like maybe the greatest soundtrack of the nineties or one, like I, I, if it's not one, it's gotta be two. So that that's got to hold firm. And I feel like Wayne's world's got to stay up there too. So I'm not even fighting for one and two. <laughs> I just don't know which one's one and which one's two, basically, you know? I hear you. And it's it's funny because now I'm gonna give you the counter argument to my own pick. Mm. But the but, but Pulp Fiction may be one of the best movie soundtracks of all time. Yeah. But I th- I think the the argument that you could make against it is it's not really indicative of 90s, 90s music. Yeah, and I don't know if that's part of our criteria or not. Mm. Really, um, but it's a tough. Yeah, it's it's. So I, I know it deserves to be in the top five, but if we're talking about '90s movie soundtracks, how important is the factor of the the soundtrack being made up of '90s music? Like yeah, it's, it's a factor, think- but how important is that factor? I think that I think that might actually tick it down for me. So that's what I'm. See, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying the same thing. Yeah, because like All Romeo right. and Juliet needs to be up there. Yeah, and you I think made so a too. very strong case for Batman Forever. I did, which is funny because those are kind of lower on your list than some of the other ones. That's right. Right. That's right. And and I will. I'll say that. Um, can't hardly wait. I don't think needs to be in the high five, even though it's my number one. That's strongly a nostalgia. Number play. one's always a personal pick, right? <laughs> and and I feel like Armageddon doesn't need to be in there. It's it'd be kind of funny if Godzilla made it because I Dude. do think that Godzilla does represent something about the nineties. It really does <laughs> so perfectly that maybe having it in the high five gives us the scope of what we're talking about. Like if I'm looking at the high five and it, it in no particular order was Romeo and Juliet, Wayne's world, 
Pulp Fiction, Train Spotting, and Godzilla. Like, <laughs> it needs to be. That there. feels like the '90s to me. Like that really feels There's like something the 90s. so yeah. '90s about having this massive soundtrack with Puff Daddy and yeah, like you know sampling a classic yeah. song with, and yeah. then all the other bands that are on there with yeah. this huge like marketing campaign and the movie bombs. <laughs> yeah. It's so perfect. there's something so nineties about that. Yeah. Yeah. That it, it might need to be up there. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like we need, I feel like we got to walk away with this, with the cred of those other four, of <laughs> it being like good, good cinema paired with good music good marketing vehicles like all across the board like quality and then we need the cheese because the 90s had plenty of it oh of you course. Know, like so we need some cheese on the list for for one of these and so i i do feel like i feel like it's probably got to be God- godzilla <laughs> I, I look Ar- armageddon's good um it's it's a song like it had there's some other stuff on there that's fine Godzilla's mm-hmm. a bit of a behemoth though. So I, I would say <laughs> I would say that or Batman Forever. I I I put it to you. I don't know if you feel strongly either way. Um I just I do feel like Batman Forever. Uh, I'm going back on myself now. Because Batman Forever Wild. It's so expansive in what it covers. So maybe that instead of Godzilla. I don't know. There's also an argument for Romeo and Juliet because it's 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 really amazing what they did. I mean, you so you've got Well, it's got to be on there. 100%. It it, yeah. it 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 really I think it, it should because it's it has to be. it's straight up 90s music, but it's it's just literally Shakespeare and you've got yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio. Like that's that's 90s. Right. Um, are are you okay if Dumb and Dumber or Tank Girl don't make the final list? I don't think Tank Girl makes the cut. Okay. Um, it's very '90s in a in a in a niche kind of way. Um, there there is an argument for Dumb and Dumber, but mm. it's not as strong of a soundtrack. It was more of a kind of a cultural moment, and the soundtrack is just kind of a mostly silly companion to the movie right. and it's fun. Um, it feels like a six or seven to me. It feels yeah. like it's just off the list. Yeah. It, it's probably dumb and dumber is vying with Batman forever for number six. I think is yeah. where we're at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think so too. Um, in my opinion. Yeah. I think so, so <clears throat> um, so where, where does train spotting land? And I, I don't know how much history you have with the soundtrack. Um, it's obviously it's very focused and and very you know Britpop centered, but it's also very '90s and it fits the theme of the movie. And it's it's it was the movie itself was a cultural moment. Yeah. So I think it deserves to be there. I don't know if it deserves to be all the way up to number three though. Yeah, I think that. I mean, it's it's held its relevance so well, but it does the same thing that we're talking about with Pulp Fiction, where it, it represents the nineties, but it also represents it's, it's, I mean, some of the songs on there are from the seventies, you know, yeah, it's, it's not it's strictly in, in strictly nineties music. Which brings um, it down a little bit, probably. Yeah. I, I, I almost feel like I'm just looking back over Romeo and Juliet because that, it, that is very nineties, you know, yeah. cardigans, ever clear garbage. Works butthole surfers and to apply that to that film it kind of clicks it's kind of genius 
what I where my rough is is Wayne's World one, Pulp Fiction two, Romeo and Juliet three, Train Spotting four, and then Godzilla. And Godzilla, 5. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I love it so much. I mean, looking at that list, that's really hard to argue with. I have I no complaints about yeah. that list. I think it's and pretty solid. And I'm really solid. kind of amazed that we came to it so quickly. But, oh, my God, Godzilla being on that list is so beautiful. <laughs> it's funny, man. It's just such – I can't believe Rage Against the Machine is on that freaking thing. And they're it's on just, it like – yeah giving the middle finger to the movie <laughs> yeah. which is a very 90s thing to do it's a very rage against so the machine crazy. thing to do yeah yeah okay so i think we got our high five do you feel is like there it? i mean yeah. honestly i think we do yeah i, I think, think so. it's it's that it's that simple yeah. so number 1 wayne's world um so number two pulp fiction yep yeah, number three, Romeo and Juliet. Number four, Train Spotting. Number, number five, five is, Godzilla, nineteen ninety eight. The Beast from the East, man, that's great. Um, so now that we've got this, so then uh, let's I do quick cleanup crew because we're running long here. Um, mm-hmm. But there were one or two things that I wasn't sure that you were going to bring up that I didn't bring up as honorable mentions on the front end. So oh, okay, real quick. So Rushmore not on your list. Well, that's funny because as I was at some point along the way, I realized in my head that Rushmore originally was in the running for my top five and should have been one of my honorable mentions mm, because okay. we, me and my friend Andrew, would drive around listening to the Rushmore soundtrack constantly. Right. Yeah, and it's such a great movie, great '90s movie. Um, not like indicative of the nineties necessarily, just a really, really great movie. Um, but it didn't end up making my top five. It probably would have been like six or seven for me. Okay. Um, we, uh, reality bites is another one I, where I didn't know if that was going to come up reality bites, um, Ben Stiller movie, which launched the career of Lisa Loeb, where Mm -hmm. she was just messing around in the city and, uh, Ethan Hawke was her neighbor and she got to know the guy and (laughs) Mm -hmm. he heard her. She didn't have a record deal or anything. And he passed the song along to, um, to, uh, to Ben Stiller and also Mm -hmm. to Karen Rackman and, uh, and launched uh, her career. And it was a huge soundtrack. Yeah. And she was not Um, signed when (laughs) nothing. Yeah. Um, and there was one more too. Oh, uh, so for me, Bullworth was a big one. Um, oh yeah. You I, mentioned that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I liked Bullworth a lot. Um, I mean, ghetto superstar was a huge hit. Um, huge. but there was a bunch of, it was, I mean, the soundtrack was my first, uh, exposure to Wu Tang public mm. enemy cypress hill like wow. they were all on there there was um ll cool j was on there like there's um it 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 was almost like a gateway drug to hip-hop uh for me at the time and i i never seen the movie it seems fine um mm-hmm. and uh i definitely i like i skipped around on this a bunch because i was kind of like dipping my toes into hip-hop and i'm like i eh, 
a public enemy kind of scares me. I don't know what's happening here. I like, was oh, this guy. Um, but ultimately <laughs> wound up listening to this whole thing and like finding uh, appreciation for everything that was on the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, you know, I definitely uh, remember. I think that's one that is the soundtrack is more memorable than the movie itself. Yeah. And then nobody brought up in our, uh, in our community, which I was a hmm. little surprised about, um, was singles. So singles, like not a hugely successful Cameron Crowe movie, you know? Um, but there was a lot of music. I mean, like it was about Seattle. It was, it was a, like a romantic kind of, comedy uh set in seattle and mm-hmm. you had you know members of pearl jam and alice in chains that were actually in the movie they were involved right. in the creation of the movie they starred in it um and the the soundtrack again if we're talking about just indicative of a certain chunk of the 90s yeah. it was alice in chains and pearl jam and mother love bone and Soundgarden and mud honey and it was just like sc- like screaming trees it was just over the plate everything yeah it's very um, 90s I have no affinity for it ultimately, um, but it it's almost like, I mean, it's almost like not because the movie didn't take off the way that it could have or, or should have or whatever. Like, it's kind of considered an album, just like a compilation yeah. <laughs> and not even like a soundtrack to an important movie, um, which is, is pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, I think that that's, I think that that's all the other things. I just, those were things that where I was just like, Worth I don't know if it, yeah, I was like, I don't know if that's going to be on your list or not. So I was like, I'm going to hold off on this. Yeah. And that's just one like singles, especially is just like, I know almost nothing about it. It could have the most amazing soundtrack in the world. And I just know nothing about it. So it didn't yeah. end up on my list for that reason, despite yeah. all the research that I did. Um, so, you know, these lists are always there's there always has to be a personal component mm-hmm. um, to it. And I think we I think we certainly um, you know, if you, if you had to make a, a time machine of, of 90s soundtracks, you could do a lot worse than what we came oh, yeah. up with. If you only yeah, could yeah. fit five albums in the time, in the time capsule. Um, yeah. I think we did pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> good, sure. um, mix and, uh, good, some, some good variety in there. Um, but I highly recommend, that you watch Godzilla 1998. <laughs> I have to watch Godzilla and Pulp Fiction, basically. And I need to go rewatch Train Spotting because I I've only seen it the one time. And like yeah. I said, I feel like I'd probably appreciate it a lot more now than I did then. I like Seth's um recommendation to do a Tarantino marathon, especially if you haven't seen any of his films. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I I don't think Pulp Fiction is even near the the top of his work, to be honest with you. Right. Um, I think there are much better Tarantino movies personally. But um, yeah, I keep going back to it. But if, if you go into Godzilla with just the idea that, okay, this is not meant to be taken seriously, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a really enjoyable movie slightly hilarious ride <laughs> it's indicative of the 90s i think that well i'm ready to go it wasn't intended to be this what it is i just don't yeah. know what they were thinking trying to make this like the big blockbuster monster movie and it's 
Matthew Broderick, <laughs> Hank Azaria, and Harry Shearer. <laughs> what were what were they so thinking? Weird. Yeah, yeah. I gotta see anyway, this movie. Anyway, there's 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 a lot of movies that you know ended up that way. Um, but this was this was a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, I love doing these high fives and hashing this stuff out. I think yeah. I think we always come up with some surprising results. Um, and yeah, well, listener, tell us how you think we did, what you agree with, what you disagree with, anything that we completely omitted and and neglected to talk about um, that deserves to be talked about. The, this is not the end of the discussion of this episode. We can always continue the conversation on Twitter and on the Discord. Um, but thank you so much for listening. We are part of the Retrologic family of podcasts. You can find us on Discord on the Retrologic server, and you can find us on Twitter at retrogroove underscore pod. Uh, come hit us up and tell us what you think of the episode. And uh, we'll see you next time when we'll find out um, how Liam enjoyed Godzilla 1998. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be streaming somewhere. It, it definitely is because we watched it relatively recently. Um, So yeah, tell us what you think of Godzilla, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I will see you next time. Later. Later.